0: I just want to take a second first and just say that it is absolutely an honor to stand here. Um, I, I tell these guys often, but my wife and I, we've been in ministry for over 12 years now, and, um, I hope you understand the beauty and gift that God has given you guys in your leadership. Um, these guys, these men and women that are, are leading ethos, uh, it's truly inspiring to me. My wife and I, on a regular basis, look at what God is doing here, and uh, under their leadership, I had to just take a second and just say, man, you guys, we're so blessed to be here. Thank you, guys. Um, That doesn't count as part of my time, though. Sorry. Uh, So, secondly, I'm a mama's boy, so if I didn't say Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, again, I would feel horrible. So if you're our mom, um, I have an amazing wife who uh, you'll hear a little bit of my story later on or our story, um, but she's an amazing mom. And the rest of you moms, I am so grateful for everything you do. I thank God that I'm a man, that I don't have to endure everything that you guys have had to endure, (laughs) but um, just want to just say, thank you so much for being moms that really define who we are as human beings. But as a man, I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for my mother. Um, Could you guys do me a favor and open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to read together and then jump right in. So we're going to start at verse 11. Here we go. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles at birth and are called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at the time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with his, its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace in one body to re- reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, peace to those who were near. to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Can I pray for us really quick? So God, I thank you, Lord, that you are here, you're alive, you're active, you're living, you're present. God, I ask that you would open ears to hear and minds to receive and hearts to be changed. God I can't do this by myself, so I ask that I would step aside and Holy Spirit have your way. God, speak to our hearts, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. So yesterday was a milestone for um, my wife and I. It was our anniversary and um, 12 years, you may not be happy, but I am. So 12 years of marriage, 12 years of her putting up with me and dealing with my stuff. Um, But as I I sat yesterday and um, we just kind of laid back and took it easy, we have two little kids. So um, that's a lot to handle on any given day. Um, so I was sitting there and I was thinking about this morning and I started to think about all these 12 years that has passed and how much God has just shown himself faithful throughout all these 12 years. And I I started to think about how there was a collision in life between the world and, and my life and my family and everything that I was a part of. And everything that my wife is a part of her family and her world. My wife is actually from Ecuador, South America, so literally one continent to another continent, how God brought us together, how he knit us together, and in the process, these worlds became one. Twelve years later, he's still knitting us together, and as I was thinking about this passage, if we're Christians, if we're Christ followers, if if you believe in Jesus, then just like my wife and I, our worlds came together together. The gift of salvation brings those who are believers into covenant with God and with each other. And so if you're taking notes, I would ask at the top of your notes, you can put this statement, how we see me, we, and them. How we see, I know it's not proper English, guys. That was not my major in college, but how we see me, we, and them. I would like for us to go on a little bit of a journey through this passage because I believe that these three key points would help us to understand what is being said in this passage. It was a chunky passage there. I know it was a lot to hear and to go through, but the premise of this passage is that Paul is speaking about a covenant. The word means come together. It's like worlds colliding, coming together. And if if you're a believer here, if you can say to yourself, I've accepted Jesus into my life, I believe in Jesus, I'm following Jesus, I would ask for you just to take 30 seconds and think about your life before you came into contact with Jesus, before you fully surrendered your life to Jesus. Think about where you were, the things that you were struggling with, the things that you were juggling. Think about it for a second. Let's go back. For some of us, maybe that was 10, 20 years ago. For some of us, maybe it was last week. And if you're not a believer, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Take a second and think about all the areas in your life that you would love to have a shift or a change or something to to, to move and, and, and find yourself in a better place, whether it be mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Take a second and just think about the before. Because I, I, I just want to pose this thought, because if we can think about where we were before, I, I'll, I'll give a little bit of an illustration, a little bit insight into my own life, right? There's this question that I've wrestled through my whole life with. And there's this longing and this sense and this feeling of, "Do I belong?" right? So I don't know if you guys notice, but I look a little different. No? OK? Yes. My whole thanks. You were you were thanks. You didn't leave me hanging. By the way, I'm from New York. I you can talk back to me, all right? I won't even mind. Okay. So, anyways, as Dave was standing up here and said we're like family, I was like, couldn't you see the resemblance? Like, so I I look different. I sound different. I act different. And my whole life, that's been the case. And I found myself going into different environments, and and there was this feeling of like, do I actually belong here? And we can fast forward later on into my more present days, and there's times where I'm in the church and I wonder the same thing. Because I I come into an environment that I don't look like everybody else, that maybe I don't act like everybody else. We came from New York to Nashville, and I'm sorry, but I really don't look like most people here, if you noticed. (laughs) And it's easy to look at the differences and find yourself with this feeling and this sense of like, do I belong here? Have you ever felt this feeling of like, do I really belong where I am? There's this deep feeling of like maybe it was in, in the education world or in your job or maybe you—you you, the first time you came in here to visit Ethos, maybe today's your first time and you're wondering to yourself, well, like, do I belong here? See, if, if we were to consider this, I think back to my life. Before Jesus was number one, before I surrendered my life to him, and this feeling of not belonging, if I was not in a relationship with Jesus, this passage is saying I didn't belong. And I kind of visual visualized my life in this moment of coming in contact with who Jesus is and my life changing forever, almost like this. Picture this. Can you guys pull out your creativity for a second? Picture that we're all sitting in a funeral home. And we're all sitting in this funeral home and sounds of mourning are going on, crying and people are 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 just hurt and broken and I'm in this coffin up front and I'm laying in there lifeless. And then all of a sudden I sit up. I know that's pretty crazy, right? You would not be this quiet, I promise you. There would be this this emotion that rises up in you, almost like what in the world is going on. You'd be pulling out your phone and Facebook Living it and like taking pictures with the and, and putting it all over. You'd run out the building and you'd tell people, Oh my goodness, like I just saw this dead person sit up and now they're alive. That's how I view my life before I knew Jesus. I was in a coffin, I was dead, and there's something that happened that my life changed forever. I sat up from this life that was apart from him, where I didn't belong before, but now I can sit up there and… Do you see your life like that? Do you look at your life as before Jesus, you were laying in this coffin lifeless. You really weren't living, even if things seemed like they were okay. And something happens in our relationship with Jesus that we sit up in our lives and now we're really alive. And if we were on the opposite end of that and we were sitting in this funeral home, it's mind blowing. Do you see yourself that way? Do you look in the mirror and wonder like, oh, my goodness. Because I guarantee you this, guys, this passage is absolutely about us as a, a unit, as a whole. And it's talking absolutely about those who don't belong yet. But if we don't start with the way we view ourselves and our relationship with Jesus here first, this is a trickle effect that will happen in how we treat each other and how we treat this world. Do we look at each other? If I was to ask everybody right now, if you're a believer, raise your hand. You don't have to, but if you're a believer, raise your hand. As you would look throughout this whole audience, would you be mind blown just like you were sitting in that funeral home and, and just like celebrate with the fact that they were once dead in that coffin and now they're alive, would we celebrate with each other? Do we come into the doors here week in and week out and look at each other in that celebration with that state of mind and that heart for each other? Because this passage here over and over is talking about not belonging and then belonging and then coming together in this unity and this covenant. It's a beautiful thing. And you know, I started to pray and I was like, God, all right, I don't want to just deliver a message, but I want to speak to the hearts of each of you. I spent time praying for you all because I know that there's something that God wants to break through in each of us that would take us deeper in our relationship with him, that would unite us more in our relationship with each other, that would ignite something in us for to go out in this world and reach the lost. But if it doesn't start with here, if we don't recognize the beauty of what God has already done and is what he's doing in our lives, and if you don't believe in Jesus yet, it is for you too. What he wants to do in your life, it will change your world. Sorry, I'm from New York. I get a little bit excited. The context of this passage is not pointing merely to just this distinguishing of those who were and those who weren't. In the context, you gotta understand, Paul is speaking to people that didn't even, they didn't interact with each other at all. They wouldn't even sit at a table and break bread and eat dinner with each other. That's how distant they were, and he's talking about covenant, coming together, making lives united and one. Are we viewing each other that way, or are we passing each other by every day, every week? Because if we were to start to shift our hearts and recognize the, the fact that God saved us from being in that coffin, that we would start to look at each other different, and I'll even say this: I don't know about you, but growing up there was this kind of uh, I grew up in a church where you know, people talked a lot about hell and heaven, right? I don't know about you, but I did. And I, I kind of started to, to have this distorted view of salvation, and I'm going to explain to you what it meant what that means, but I started to look at salvation as, in other words, a get out of hell pass. And in my view of salvation was: you know what? If I recognize how horrible hell will be, and and the people that were trying to get me to to, to give my life, really to, to surrender my life to God, they would present this horrible view of hell and this beautiful view of heaven. And let me just clarify something, it's true. And maybe you can relate that there's just a tradition in history in your walk and relationship with God that it was always brought to you in this way of like, man, every time I would come to Sunday, I was a regular altar. You know, every time we'd have an altar call, that was, I was like there weekly. Because I would come to church on Sunday thinking everything that I did wrong Monday through Saturday before… If I don't get my life right with God right now, I would be running to the… Praise Jesus. If you feel like you need a prayer this morning, I was already up there. They knew my name already. They could have just said, Joey, come on up and get your prayer. And I found myself thinking, wow, if this is what salvation is really about, then what about today? Then what about now if i'm living my life just focused on the fact that i don't want to make it to hell that i want to make it to heaven then what am i doing with my life right now because otherwise it could just be a coasting and i'm just chilling through life and i'm walking through life trying to trying to make it as nice and fluffy as i can because i know i already made a decision and guess what if we don't break free from those things that is exactly what we present to the world we begin to look at people as if they need to be saved. Do we understand only Jesus can do that? We begin to look at the people out there, and, and, and our, our view of them looks as like they're condemned. This is what we look at people, and we treat people differently because we view them as they're condemned. They're on the outside, they're going to hell. And so, out of a place of, of love and compassion, we go to them and we're like, please, you know, don't let yourself go to hell. And then they look at us like we're crazy. If we could shift the way we think about what God has done in our lives through salvation and we can show people that we're not talking about to them or at them as if they were condemned, as if we are here to save the day. We just want to fix you and make the adjustments so you can then ride out life with us until we get to heaven. If we can shift this mentality of you're condemned to you're an you're excluded from the, the, the beauty and, and the blessing of salvation that we've walked into. Do we understand that this passage is saying that we didn't belong? You know, if we were to go out there to people and understand like, that the, the beauty of what we received in salvation is that we now belong. You know how many broken people are out there that are waiting for someone to just say, Man, we just want to welcome you into my world. When Joanna and I met, it was like this, this beautiful collision of lives, but guess what? It took some time. We had to work through some things in order for my family to then begin to view her as a daughter and for my, my world to, to come into contact and relationship and work through challenges and difficulties where her family, to be viewed as a son. That's what God is calling us to do. This here, do you understand that before we didn't know Jesus, we didn't belong. We were aliens. We didn't have citizenship. How does that reflect in our lives daily? How are we walking and encountering people? How are we coming in contact with people that are on the outside, not because they're condemned, but because they're excluded and we can't live with ourselves until we bring them into this family? They don't want a savior we can't be that and we present it in a way that we're here to fix and we're here to change you know how many times people look at me and tell me about what's wrong with me or what's different with me but to be embraced um you know in in uh exodus two twenty-two, 22 this is this is something that as as i began to to think through this thought of being an outsider versus being welcomed in and not just looked at as I'm condemned, but in verse 22, it says this. It says, and in him, you two are being built together to become a place of dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You know, if we begin to embrace people where they are, if we begin to look at them not because of what they're, what's different with them or what's lacking or what's wrong with them, you know, in New York... There was regularly where, at our church, it was a fairly big church, and we often had people that would come into this church smelling like weed and smelling like alcohol and women that were wearing things that, you know, you wanted to go and throw a robe over. And I often had people come to me and and tell me, Pastor Joey, listen, there's just, man, we can't, we got to tell this guy he's got to leave. There's people complaining. He, He reeks like he's been smoking weed all night. And I would look at them and I would tell them if our church doesn't smell like weed, if it doesn't smell like alcohol, if it doesn't, if it doesn't make us uncomfortable at times because people that are here, then what are we doing this for? What are we doing this for if we're all gonna come here and everybody's dressed nicely and everybody here has got it all together? They're broken, they're lost, they're lonely, they're forgotten, and they're dying, they're longing just to feel belonging. So I know. I know that's a whole lot. I don't mean to be so. We come to a point where I began to pray and say, "Okay, God, then what? Then, then what is this passage telling us that we need to do?" You know, my wife is in the process of getting her citizenship, and it's a it's a long process. And um, she's been a legal resident. Don't worry. Don't call immigration on her. She's not illegal. (laughs) She's here legit. We got her papers. She carries it with her. Um, And we're in the process. We got married. We went to the mission field for about six years, and um, she was granted her residency because we're married. And for now way too long, we've been waiting for her to get her citizenship test, uh, the citizenship. And she's preparing for this test. And it's been amazing because as she's been studying for this test, as she's been you know, getting her mind right and getting ready for this whole thing, they make you study for 100 questions. And then you sit in front of someone and they only ask you 10 of those hundred questions. And they grill you and they, they want to make sure that you understand our history and all these things. And by the way, as she, I was helping test her on these things, I'm like, I'm a citizen. I don't know half of these things. <laughs> half is a little bit gracious for me, but, um, but there was something interesting. As she's been preparing for this test, I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me through this. And This is not an immigration thing or anything like that, but as she was sharing with me these questions and all of these things that she had to study, something really, really popped to my heart and to my mind about what she was preparing herself for because according to what she had to do in proving herself worthy to be able to be granted citizenship, there was two main factors that she had to understand. The first one, it was easy. It was all these questions that were focused on, what are the benefits for you to be an American? And so, you know, you talk about voting and you talk about, you know, I mean, as little as like health insurance and being able to do banking here and being able to own a home here and all these different things. There's all these beautiful things. I mean, we things that honestly, as we were going through it, I I felt like I take that stuff for granted daily. And then we got to the tough part. Because then, after we got through the rights and the, the benefits, we got to the responsibilities. And, and you know, when we got to that part, it was like, oh my goodness, like, what are the responsibilities? She'd ask me, what are the responsibilities of a U.S. citizen? Uh, pay, pay my taxes. <laughs> and you know, in the same way as she's been processing and learning through this, I look at this passage and I, I ask myself, if I've been included into this this body, into this family, into this covenant with God and with us, with each other. I really feel like there's people in this room right now that is struggling with these two things. I feel like there's some of us that have been living off of the benefits and It's easier for us to be comfortable and for us to come into a place and, and say, you know what? My relationship with God gives me peace, and it gives me joy, and, and, and all these things that the, the word tells us about the beauty of our relationship with God. And You've seen some amazing change in your life, and God has restored things in your life, and marriages, and, and relationships, and he's healed you, and, and he's done all these amazing things, and we live off of these benef- benefits, and it's like, that's, that's wonderful, and then there's the other side where some of us feel like all we do all day long, every day of the week is feel like we have to earn and we have to work and we have to do our best. And we come every week, weekend and week out, and we volunteer at church and we're at every gathering and we're at every house church and you're not even signed up for house churches and you're showing up to house churches. And that's great. But if we don't understand that there is a necessity for us to walk in in these two things together, we can never walk in the beauty of this covenant that we've been called into. And so I just want to take a second and speak to the heart of those who have been feeling like this has just been a a work in progress. Yeah, we are a work in progress, but understand something, that God loves you so much. That Just prior to this passage in Ephesians 2, it makes it clear that our salvation, we got it by grace and grace alone. Why? So none of us can boast about what we've done. And for some of you, you've been working and working and working, and you haven't stopped for one second to allow the love of God to come in and flood through your heart and your mind to bring true healing, to bring true restoration. You've been feeling like you've been weighed down and you can't do anything right, and nothing is good enough. And maybe that's been spoken over you, and I, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. There is freedom for you in Him, there's freedom for you in the truth of who He is in your life. And, and maybe you're on the other side. Maybe you've just been coming and you've been enjoying the music and you've been enjoying the amazing sermons that are here and the average one that I'm doing right now. And, um, and maybe you've just been here and just benefiting. And maybe you, that's been reflective in your life daily that you're, you're living in the benefits of your salvation and you're not allowing God to become alive and active in you. Because guys, if we're not understanding this, then we're going to be living like we're just aiming for a target at the end of our lives, or we end up in heaven and we look back and we say, man, what did we do with this? The gift. It would be like me saying that I came up with the cure to cancer. Let me tell you something. I've lost family, close people in my life to cancer. And it would be like me saying I have the antidote for cancer, the cure for cancer, and I would keep it to myself. Are you kidding me? I'd be running outside from the mountains screaming out. I'd be stopping traffic and I'd be running into hospitals and I would go do whatever I could to share the beauty of this truth. And how much greater is salvation? Cancer is for a moment. Salvation is for eternity. And we're holding on to this beautiful thing that God has given us. And people are longing, they're desiring, they're needing this. And are we responding in it? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get ready to close. I know that. I'm just going to check my time. Um, as I close, I just want to close with this. Um, there's a place where I feel like God is calling us where this covenant that I'm talking about, that this passage is, is talking about, I, I believe that there is a place where we see this covenant become alive and active, where we walk in this covenant. For the first seven years of, of our marriage, my wife and I, were, we were unable to have kids. And so today being Mother's Day, I think that, I, you know, and I hope that someone is touched by this. Um, for seven years, I mean, literally, guys, we went into the hospital, into the, to the doctor's office, and we would sit there and we would listen to these doctors tell us, oh, okay, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Maldonado, you are, oh, okay, I see that you're, you're barren, and literally, oh, you're, you're barren, as if they were saying, oh, you're Puerto Rican, like, oh, oh, you're a guy, you're barren. I mean, this was labeled on our paperwork in our medical records for seven years, and we went through this roller coaster of emotions where people would come up to us, and oh, you must not want kids, right? <laughs> seven years into it. And we found ourselves broken we found ourselves daily just saying okay god we trust in you and you, you begin this process saying okay we trust in god it's going to happen and year two comes and year three four five six and we get into seven i mean i remember the, the days that i was in, in in the shower by myself and i would collapse to my knees and i would be bawling and i would ask god lord what what is, is this because of my sin from my past is it because i've done wrong is it because i haven't lived up to what I need to be, I was broken seven years of just asking God, Lord, to help me. And I, I just didn't realize that he was at work. And we came to the end of that seven, seventh year, and there was this passage that we had read over and over, but we, it just really didn't come to life, uh, to life to us. And next it is 23, 25 and 26 it says. Worship the Lord your God, and he will bless your food and water. He will take sickness from among you, and none will be barren or miscarry in your land. He will give you a full lifespan. Let me, let me tell you guys, I heard that passage, and it broke me even more. But there was something in me that, that just… I felt like, okay, God, if I'm going to preach this, if I'm going to talk about this, but if, when the rubber meets the road, like, what am I going to do about it? I was the crazy guy in New York, which says about a million, but I was the guy in New York where I'd be in my car, literally, and I'd be at the stop sign or the red light, and I would be screaming this passage. I mean, People looked at me like, well, in New York, they don't call 911, but they would look at me like, what is wrong with this guy? I didn't even know the passage. I didn't even have it memorized fully. I would tear, I would just tear this passage up, but I would do my best and I would scream it at the top of my lungs and I would press in and I would say, God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to worship you because guess what, guys? Whether you're saved or you're not, we're all wounded people. Wounded people. I was wounded. And what this passage is talking about is that if we can understand that in in our womb, that there's a place of worship that we could come together, that, that God will unify us whether you grew up this way or you grew up that way or whether you're this color or that color, whether you come from this neighborhood or that neighborhood. Because what happened in my life and in my wife's life is we started to worship like we've never worshiped before. Excuse me if sometimes I'm over in the corner worshiping like a crazy person. Because when you understand what you have to worship for, if you understand what God has done in your life, the blessing and the, and the honor to be able to worship Him when you've had a miracle happen in your life like I have, something changes in our worship. Look, that was December. January, second week of January, my wife, I'm sleeping and I'm a bit protective. She wakes me up and she's like, babe, I need, need to go to the doctors. And I jump up and I'm like, what's going on? Like, what's... And she looked at me and she showed me a a pregnancy test and it was positive. And my world flipped upside down. It was what I longed for my whole life. I was not the average guy. I prayed for my child as even as being a child. And there was this something that turned in my heart. And guys, let me just clarify something. Maybe you're in a situation where you've been praying to become pregnant and it still hasn't happened. I'm going to tell you that my breakthrough, our breakthrough didn't come because of a response to a prayer. Our breakthrough came because we said, God will worship you regardless. Our breakthrough came because we said, we're going to tap into worship in a way that regardless of what our results or our desires for the results to be, or regardless of what's labeled on these doctor's notes, regardless of what the world says or anyone else, we're going to worship you regardless. This world needs to see us as a body, live into this covenant that God is talking about in this passage, where he's taken people that were once dead in this coffin and that are now alive and and unified in this body, in this church, in this place, in this city, where there's more churches in this city than there is in any place in this world, I think. (laughs) And You know what they need to encounter? They need to encounter people that are unafraid and unashamed to worship a God that has saved them from death, that has caused them to come into belonging, that has caused them to come in and and be accepted and and be impacted, and their lives changed. I'm going to pray for us, and and at this time, we're going to go into communion, and if you guys have been here before, you know, and if you haven't, I just want to take a second and just... Explain something. Communion is Jesus did this with the disciples, and he, he sat with them at a table, and he broke bread with them, and he gave them a, a cup of wine, and he broke the bread, and he, and he gave thanks. Now let me just say this: he gave thanks, knowing that he was about to go hang on a cross. So re- regardless of what you came in here with today, you're not going to hang on a cross, I don't think. But there's this beauty of us being able to look at Jesus, his example, and no matter where we are, being able to give thanks. And in that, Jesus said, "Do this in remembrance of me, that He did this so we can be welcomed into this covenant, into this relationship, into this family, in a way that our lives would be changed forever. Can we remember for a moment? So as we break up and we, we ask that you would go to the, the tables the communion is spread out through the room, and as you would grab your communion, I'm going to ask that you would come into to groups and, and that for a second, as you take communion, Take a glimpse in the eyes of the person next to you and think about them being in that coffin and then they're not no more. Let this excitement in you be so passionately stirred in your heart that as you take that communion, you would stop for a second and remember. Remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, for me, for you, and that we could celebrate in that. And regardless of where you are, guys, as we go into worship, I'm going to challenge you guys. I believe that right now, there's people that need to be set free and broken free from things you've been carrying for too long. Maybe you've been feeling like that outsider. Maybe you've been walking in your relationship with Jesus and you've been coming here for months and months and months and you still feel like you don't belong. Maybe you're struggling with something at home or in your, your personal life or maybe you're, you're, you're dealing with something else. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you're dealing with that. Maybe you're, you're here and it's Mother's Day and you think it's, can I say, sucks? And it sucks because you're hurting. Maybe you were like my wife and I those four or five years ago, four years ago, where you're wondering, like, what's going on, God? He's not afraid of those questions. He's not intimidated by where you are. But I'm going to challenge us as we step into this time right now. I'm going to go into my seat and I'm going to worship God because I know what he's done in my life. And I'm going to challenge us that from this day forward, that the, day, the time that we step into this door, that we would allow God to bring to our hearts and our minds the truth of where we were and where, where every other person in here may have been and celebrate together. So that way it stirs in us so much that when we get out there, it spills out into this world. Whether you're in the grocery store or you're at work or you're at the gas station, that you can't contain it so much so that you got to just tell someone about it. This city, I don't care what anybody says, this city is a place where roots and history of the church, the body of Christ, has been laid, and there's an awakening that is happening in us, in his church, that is going to change the world, guys. This world is desperately in need of us to respond. If you would stand with me, please. God, I thank you, Lord. God, I thank you that I know where I used to be. God, I thank you that you saved my life. Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross. What a love of a father to give a son the call that would be responded, that we would be saved, that we would be brought into belonging. God, I thank you for every single person in this room. God, I ask, Lord, that our hearts would be softened, that our minds would be opened, God, that we'd be able to respond, Lord, not in fear, God, that the things that are keeping us away from the fullness of, of what your kingdom purpose for us is, that we would begin to live into this, God, that we would begin to, to surrender and let go, that we would allow you to work in us, God, that you would set us free, God, as we, as we take this time, Lord, to just remember, Jesus, what you've done. I thank you. I thank you, Jesus. God, and as we worship, Lord, that there would be nothing that would hold us back. That you would break through, Lord. That lives would be changed. That no one would leave this room today the same as they came in. God, I thank you in your name.